0: Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at one 877 511 5483 or email her at Mother at the Station dot com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam.
1: Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you're well. I'm happy to be with you. It is Friday, um, so it is a day we abstain from meat. Or we make another sacrifice in union with our Lord. That's not just a pious thought; it is required of us as Catholics. The Friday sacrifice was never uh, given up, never, never stopped. The um, decision to abstain from meat was left to us individually to do uh, what was um, what on our our hearts was more sacrificial to God so that if we're a vegetarian we don't have to give up meat because we don't eat meat and then we need to choose something else that's important to us so it's Friday we need to make some form of sacrifice if we just abstain from meat every Friday uh, as we do here at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope it would be um, very easy you don't have to decide um, why do we abstain from meat because he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he fulfilled all the Old Testament sacrifices, which were animals. And so it's the most fitting, and it's the one that the Church required of us for years, until Vatican II, when the Church wanted us to grow up a little bit, and not just follow rules, but understand them. And so left it to us for the Friday sacrifice. The norm is still meat. The norm is still meat, and the bishops in the United States have asked us to continue to abstain from meat um, to make reparation for abortion in our country. Um, I started reading yesterday, and I would like to continue today. I don't know that we'll ever get through the whole thing. It's quite long, but it is John Henry Weston's uh, writing, actually. You could see it on video. You could watch the whole thing on video. Just go to... Um, LifeSiteNews.com and then uh, it is Five Reasons Why Catholics Should Only Receive Communion on the Tongue. Five Reasons Why Catholics Should Only Receive Communion on the Tongue. Now, this is a, a flexible should. Uh, John Henry is speaking from, uh, well, these five reasons which you'll hear, the first of which is the reverence uh, uh, with the uh, Um, that our god is due um but again the church allows communion on the hand communion on the tongue is the norm and has been pointed out by several bishops uh, and canon law no one no priest no bishop no one but perhaps the pope himself has any right to withhold communion on the tongue um and so or even to lift the disp- dispensation for sunday mass that's not a human law it's a divine law and so communion on the tongue is a as a canon law of the church and it is valid and no one has any right to refuse anyone communion on the tongue there has been tremendous confusion about this and so john henry I think I called him John Paul today again and ten times yesterday. John Henry Weston, founder, uh, co-founder and editor of LifeSite News, has put together the best video I've ever seen, the best message on why communion on the tongue. And we read yesterday that the first point... Um, is the reverence due to Almighty God. And we went through that all yesterday. Uh, and, and John Henry brought up examples from the Old Testament and so forth. The second uh, reason, which we only began with the first paragraph yesterday, is the authority of the church. And John Henry says, it's important to say that I am saying this, uh, I meaning John Henry knowing full well we are in the midst of a corona pandemic. In fact, the very first point I'd like to bring to your consideration is that the church has already considered the matter of allowance of holy communion on the tongue while facing the spread of this type of virus, even in modern times. In 2009, in the midst of the H1N1 influenza pandemic, a lay Catholic in England in a diocese where Holy Communion on the tongue was restricted due to the pandemic. He wrote the Vatican about the matter and the response from the Congregation for Divine Worship and Discipline of the Sacraments was dated July 24th, 2009, and it was posted online by Rorate Celli. The congregation, which is tasked with authoritatively responding to such questions, wrote back, quoting church law on the subject, saying, quote, each of the faithful always has the right to receive Holy Communion on the tongue. um." nor is it licit to deny Holy Communion to any of Christ's faithful who are not impeded by church law from receiving the Holy Eucharist. And the Vatican response added, quote, The congregation thanks you for bringing this important matter to its attention. Be assured that the appropriate contacts will be made. And John Henry explains that the appropriate context would be the bishop of that diocese who who would be instructed to inform his priests of correct church law. Canonist Kathy Caridi uh, at the Canon Law Made Easy blog. You could always look that up, Canon Law Made Easy, on the web and type in a subject, and it's very helpful. She pointed out the significance of that line about appropriate contacts will be made. Karate says it makes clear that after sending this letter, the Congregation for Divine uh, uh, Worship, uh, uh, where did I, let me just make sure I get that right. A Congregation for Divine Worship and Discipline of the Sacraments intended to contact the clergy who were illegally barring Catholics from receiving communion on the tongue to inform them in a formal official way that by doing so that they were violating church law, end quote. Caridi concludes, quote, it would be only logical to assume that if the faithful contact the Congregation of Divine Worship now with information about the current illegal practices in their own parishes and dioceses where they are forbidden to receive communion on the tongue, the Congregation of Divine Worship would respond in precisely the same way, end quote the congregations we call it CDW for short of divine worship will have to respond in the will have to respond in the same way not because coronavirus is not dangerous but because the right of the faithful around the world to receive the eucharist in the way that is the church's established norm on the tongue cannot be curtailed by any other than the supreme authority of the church This is an issue not of germs, but of the Church's hierarchical structure. No bishop on earth, still less a parish priest acting on his own, has the authority to countermand a law or specific directive of the Vatican that is intended to apply to the universal Church, period. Uh, End quote. Number three, the witness of saints and popes and angels. John Henry continues. Saint Thomas Aquinas, regarded universally as the greatest doctor in the church, wrote in the twelve hundreds in his Summa Theologica, quote, Out of reverence toward this sacrament, nothing touches it but what is considered, hence the corporal and the chalice are consecrated, and likewise the priest's hands for touching this sacrament. Hence, it is not lawful. For anyone else to touch it, except from necessity, for instance, if it were to fall upon the ground or else in some other case of urgency. Now, the church has allowed, I'm interrupting here, the church has allowed communion in the hand, which is a tragedy, I believe, uh, because I don't think we have all the abominations we do today um, and the, the Holy Sacrament being handed out in baggies and everything else. Uh, during this virus, if commune on the hand never happened, I don't believe we'd have so-called uh, extraordinary Eucharistic ministers if that abomination never took place because their hands are not consecrated. They may use uh, hand sanitizer, but that's not... Uh, uh, The host should not be uh, cleansed with hand sanitizer. It's still not consecrated hands. John Henry continues now. In 2008, Pope Benedict decided to stop giving Holy Communion on the hand to the faithful and would only give Holy Communion to the faithful on the tongue and kneeling. A Vatican webpage commemorating this decision was published in 2009. It is updated now to include a photo of Pope Francis, and still be found to still be found on the Vatican website. The Vatican webpage says, "Quote: From the time of the fathers of the Church, a tendency was born and consolidated." whereby distribution of Holy Communion in the hand became more and more restricted in favor of distributing Holy Communion on the tongue. The motivation for this practice is twofold. First, to avoid as much as possible the dropping of the Eucharistic particles, and second, to increase among the faithful devotion to the real presence of Christ in the sacrament of the Eucharist. End quote. There's the music for our first break, beloved. We'll be back right after the break. We'll continue a bit with this article. And at the second break, we'll take your calls, your emails, um, your texts, and feel free to call in anytime uh, at toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at com. We'll be right back.
3: In the midst of them, the Liturgy of the Hours is also known as the Divine Office and is the daily prayer of the Church. So you know you'll be uniting your prayer with priests, religious, and laity throughout the world. It's comprised of small reflections, readings from sacred scripture, and writings from saints and theologians. To learn more about the Liturgy of the Hours, visit thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Pray with us each day at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9 30 p.m. Eastern right here on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network.
1: Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We're right in the middle of an article by the um, co-founder and editor of LifeSite News, John Henry Weston, five reasons why we should receive communion on the tongue. And I always point out that is the preference and it is the church's norm, but the church allows communion on the hand, so there's no sin involved in that. I think there's desecration involved in that, but not sin. Um Let's see now. Where did we leave off? Um, okay, a celebrated. I'm just continuing to read now uh, on the authority of the church. The first was the reverence to the to the uh, holy Eucharist. Now the authority of the church. Second reason. John Henry continues a celebrated saying of Saint Augustine, cited by Pope Benedict the Sixteenth um, in his. Uh, Sacrament of Love, uh, Sacramentum Caritatis, teaches, quote, no one eats that flesh without first adoring it. We should sin were we not to adore it. Now that's whether we receive communion on the hand or the tongue. We should sin were we not to adore it. Kneeling indicates and promotes the adoration necessary before receiving The Eucharist, the Eucharistic Christ. And I'm reading from John Henry. From this perspective, then, the then Cardinal Ratzinger assured that communion only reaches its true depth when it is supported and surrounded by adoration. End quote. For this, that's from his Spirit of the Liturgy. Uh, the book, The Spirit of the Liturgy is a wonderful book, beloved, for you to get, published by Ignatius Press. For this reason, John Henry continues, Cardinal Ratzinger maintained that the practice of kneeling for Holy Communion has in its favor a centuries old tradition, and it is a particularly expressive sign of adoration completely appropriate in light of the true, real, and substantial presence of our Lord Jesus Christ under the consecrated species. Um, John Paul, I'm skipping some of the... uh, uh, all the references and page numbers here just to try to get more of the article in. But again, you can go to uh to John Henry Weston and five reasons why we should receive communion communion on the tongue or should not receive it on the hand. And you'll be able to see the whole article and read it or watch John Henry on, on video. John Paul II, in his last encyclical, Ecclesia De Eucharistia, that is, the church comes from the Eucharist, wrote, By giving the Eucharist the prominence it deserves and by being careful not to diminish any of its dimensions or demands, we show that we are truly conscious of the greatness of this gift. We are urged to do so by an uninterrupted tradition, which from the first centuries on has found the Christian community ever vigilant in guarding this treasure. Inspired by love... The church is anxious to hand on to future generations of Christians without loss her faith and teaching with regard to the mystery of the Eucharist. There can be no danger of excess in our care for this mystery, for in this sacrament is recapitulated the whole mystery of our salvation, end quote. And that web. Page of John Paul II concludes, quote, in continuity with the teaching of his predecessor, starting with the solemnity of Corpus Christi in the year 2008, the Holy Father Benedict XVI began to distribute to the faithful the body of the Lord by placing it directly on the tongue of the faithful as they remain kneeling. The current head of the Vatican Department that deals with the issue of communion is Cardinal Robert Sarah. Without a doubt, he is one of the saintliest cardinals alive today. Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI strongly endorsed Cardinal Sarah, saying publicly in an afterword to a reprint of Cardinal Sarah's book, titled The Power of Silence, that, quote, with Cardinal Seurat, a master of silence and of interior prayer, the liturgy is in good hands. And Pope Emeritus Benedict adds, Cardinal Seurat is a spiritual leader, teacher who speaks out of the depths of silence with the Lord, out of his interior union with him, and thus really has something to say to each one of us, end quote. It is this cardinal, John Henry Weston continues, it is this cardinal, this saintly African cardinal who is in charge of the church's dicastery dealing with the sacraments that has pleaded with priests to only give Holy Communion to the faithful kneeling and on the tongue. In the preface to a 2018 book, Critically Analyzing Communion on the Hand, Cardinal Robert Seurat, Prefect of the Congregation for Divine Worship, wrote this, Why do we insist on receiving communion standing and on the hand? Why this attitude of lack of submission to the signs of God? May no priest dare to impose his authority in this matter by refusing or mistreating those who wish to receive communion kneeling and on the tongue. Let us come as children and humbly receive the body of Christ on our knees and on our tongue. The saints give us the example. They are the models to be imitated that God offers us, End quote. Cardinal Seurat also warned strenuously, quote, the most insidious diabolical attack consists in trying to extinguish faith in the Eucharist, by sowing errors and fostering an unsuitable way of receiving it. Truly, the war between Michael and his angels on one side and Lucifer on the other continues in the hearts of the faithful. Satan's target is the sacrifice of the Mass and the real presence of Jesus in the consecrated host, Cardinals Ross said. And he continues, let us look at how faith in the real presence can influence the way we receive communion and vice versa. Receiving communion on the hand undoubtedly involves a great scattering of fragments. On the contrary, attention to the smallest crumbs, care in purifying the sacred vessels, not touching the host with sweaty hands, all become professions of faith in the real presence of Jesus even in the smallest parts of the consecrated species. If Jesus is the substance of the Eucharistic bread, and if dimensions of the fragments are accidents only of the bread, it is of a little importance how big or small a piece of the host is. The substance is the same. It is him. It is God. On the contrary, attention to the fragments makes us lose sight of the dogma. Little by little, the thought may gradually prevail, quote, if even the parish priest does not pay attention to the fragments. If he administers communion in such a way that fragments can be scattered, and I'm going to interrupt here by saying that everyone who distributes communion on the hand is responsible for fragments on the floor and for our Lord being stepped on. There's no question there. It means that Jesus, to, to that priest, is not in them, or that he is up in them up to a certain point. The second track, Cardinal Saras says, on which the attack against the Eucharist runs, hold on one moment please, L'chaim. Thank you. The second track <clears throat> on which the attack against the Eucharist runs is the attempt to remove the sense of the sacred from the hearts of the faithful. While the term transubstantiation points us to the reality of presence, the sense of the sacred enables us to glimpse its absolute uniqueness and holiness. What a misfortune it would be to lose the sense of the sacred precisely in what is most sacred. And how is it possible? By receiving special food in the same way as ordinary food. Still quoting Cardinal Seurat, the liturgy is made up of many small rituals and gestures. Each of them is capable of expressing these attitudes filled with love filial respect and adoration toward God. That is precisely why it is appropriate to promote the beauty, fittingness, and pastoral value of a practice which developed during the long life and tradition of the church, that is, the act of receiving Holy Communion on the tongue and kneeling. The greatness and nobility of man, as well as the highest expression of his love The highest expression of his love for his creator consists in kneeling before God. Jesus himself prayed on his knees in the presence of the Father. May this book, um, now I'm... um, Let's say, may this book encourage those priests and faithful who moved also by the example of Benedict XVI, who in the last years of his pontificate wanted to distribute the Eucharist in the mouth and nearly wish to administer or receive the Eucharist in this latter manner, which is far more suited to the sacrament itself. I hope there can be a rediscovery and promotion of the beauty, uh, Cardinal Seurat writes, and pastoral value of this method. In my opinion and judgment, this is an important question on which the church today must reflect. This is a further act of adoration and love that each of us can offer to Jesus Christ. I am very pleased to see so many young young people who choose to receive our Lord so reverently on their knees and on their tongue, end quote. John Henry Weston continues, one of the other aspects of Cardinal Seurat, um, his preference was his recul- recollection, recollection of the Fatima apparitions and the angel that appeared to the three Fatima children prior to their seeing Our Lady Herself at one of the appearances of the angel of peace at one of the appearances of the angel of peace appeared to the children the angel brought communion to them the angel the angel prostrated himself before the eucharistic lord teaching the children to do the same can you imagine the children taking the eucharist from that angel with their hands can you imagine such a thing So, the first is the reverence uh, due to the Holy Sacrament. The second is uh, the authority of the Church. Um, Oh dear, I'm trying to get the the headings here. Um, Hold on now. The authority of the Church. The third is the witness of saints and popes and angels. And the fourth, which unfortunately we won't get to today. Um, let me read it. Hold on just a moment. Gotta get to it. I just, is profanation or desecration of the Holy Eucharist. This is very important. It's the last point. I may continue Monday with it. It's the last point, but you can go again to LivesightNews.com, uh, John Henry Weston, um, and read this or listen to him on video. Either way. Bless you, beloved. This is our second break. We'll come back and take your calls, your emails, and your text. Um, toll free,
2: 1-877-511-5483. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle, and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the Internet, with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year.
4: We at the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio want to thank you for your continued support of our ministry. Much of the technology and equipment we currently use to bring you our great Catholic programming is getting old and outdated. Thanks to your incredible generosity, we are moving forward with major upgrades to our broadcast equipment. Our goal is to build state of the art technology infrastructures which will give us greater capabilities to keep pace with modern broadcast and media requirements. These upgrades will enhance your listening experience and help us to bring you even more great catholic programming over the next several weeks our systems will be under construction and during this time of transition to new technology platforms we do expect to experience some technical hiccups and glitches we ask for your patience and understanding as we work through the many issues we expect to face we hope you will remain confident that we are building for a long future of quality catholic broadcasting please keep us in your prayers and thanks again for your support
1: Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you, and we have a whole half hour all to ourselves to take your calls and your texts and your emails. Again, the toll-free number is one 877 511 5483 or email mother at com. Our first email is uh, from someone who writes it anonymously and says, Hello, dear Mother Miriam. I always miss your live shows, but I have a question that I hope you can help me to figure out. Okay, hold on now. I live in a diocese where due to the virus, the bishop is not permitting us to receive the Holy Eucharist, on the tongue. Well, he may say it's due to the virus, but it's due to his disobedience. He has no no right to do that. He has no right to refuse communion on the tongue. Um, this email is anonymous, and the bishop unnamed so as to protect the diocesan priest at my parish for several weeks now at the latin mass i attend holy communion has been distributed after mass has concluded and only on the hand now that's shocking that i've been to a latin parish where holy communion is distributed after mass but not only on the hand, this is the first I've heard of such a thing in a Latin parish. That's just too bad. That's tragic. However, a few people have been observed approaching and receiving on the tongue. I have been making a spiritual communion. As I refuse to receive on the hand, I was told by one of the people who had received by this priest on the tongue that if I approach and do not put out my hands but instead open my mouth to receive on the tongue, he will do it. I decided that next Mass I will do as the woman suggested, an approach to receive without putting out my hands. And I'm going to interrupt um, this uh, this near email to say to all of you, when you go up to communion, your hands shouldn't be seen. They should be, if you're at a communion rail, which I know is rare, but in a Catholic church, uh, there's communion rails. You keep your hands under the rail. Often they have a, a uh, um, what's the, uh, linens over the uh, railer, over the uh, kneeling, uh, the kneeler, over the, um, what am I thinking of, uh, over the rail. Um, and you keep your hands under the cloth. Your hands are not to appear. They're not to be on top of that um, uh, rail. And uh, if you don't have a kneeler and you need to stand, keep them, keep them folded. Keep them down. Don't put your hands up. The proper way to go is you kneel, you put your head up slightly, and you put your tongue out just over your lips. And that's it. And if the priest refuses you in that position, come up after the Mass. uh, uh, He may still refuse you, but many priests will give in at that point. she says now i come to my question there is something unsettling about this to me of course i feel that it is our bishop that as our bishop has directed his priest not to distribute on the tongue that if i were to approach in this manner it would place the priest in a situation where he has to choose between being obedient to his bishop direct bishop's directive and giving holy communion to me on the tongue it just does not seem right, and I do not want to be responsible for my priest's disobedience. I would greatly appreciate your thoughts on this. I thank you, and God bless you, for your truth-filled videos um, concerning and concern for our souls. Well, I think your, your concern for not wanting to... Um, uh, place the priest in a position of disobedience to the bishop is a very wonderful one, truly a wonderful one. However, no one has the right to forbid your communion on the tongue. Absolutely no one. And as Bishop Athanasius Snyder has written, in that position, priests need to disobey their bishops. We need to obey rightful authority in everything but sin and It is sin to deny communion on the tongue. And so no priest should obey that. Absolutely none. You will not be responsible for his disobedience. You will never be responsible for the disobedience of the priest. The disobedience will the priest will be disposi- responsible always for what he does. It'll never be your fault if he chooses to give you communion on the tongue. That is his decision, and you have no guilt involved. And if a, again in that situation, we have situations here in my own diocese uh, where uh, the preference is communion on the hand. And communion on the tongue is not forbidden, but is discouraged. Well, people haven't gone because uh, they know they could receive communion on the tongue, but they don't want to cause a problem. So they receive communion in the hand. Well, if God is giving that option, we should receive on the tongue. And if more and more people do that. If we're all asked to get to the back of the line and the line has 100 people, then 90 of us will be in the back of the line. I think we need to to um, give greater reference, reverence to the Eucharist uh, than to uh, an unlawful bishop. I, I, I don't want to be disrespectful, but he is going against church law to command that of his priests. And the priest is going against church law to obey his bishop when his bishop is wrong. So the priest needs to point it out to his bishop, but he should not uh, go against church law. We have an email from Chris who says, Greetings, Mother. As we see the civil unrest and the associated lawlessness, what about defending our homes and families? I know God doesn't like cowards, but can you please speak about just people defending their families and protecting the innocent if the police stop stop coming to work and we end up on our own? Respectfully, Chris. Chris, your question is very, very good. And it's not to defend yourself and your family is not cowardice whatsoever. It's heroism. That's your number one first vocation and task before God, is to defend your family. And if the police won't, you need to do it. And if you need to defend your family by putting up barriers around your home as things get crazy, by storing up three months of food, by uh, homeschooling your children so they are not subject to this out in the world, whatever you need to do is not cowardice. It's heroism. You do it, Uh, prepare your family, make sure they're protected, and and, um, don't give in to uh, the world's climate. It's not cowardice at all. That's your very, very first responsibility. We have an email from Justin who says, How can I attend Mass when the priests here are so very liberal and the abuses are so horrible? How awful, huh? I came into the church in New Orleans under a marvelous priest, but I am no longer able to afford the trip there each week. What should I do? Well, the first thing I would do is do whatever you can to look for a parish uh, that doesn't involve that great a trip unless you can afford the trip on Sundays only. Um, but I would look, do whatever you can, visit every single church to look for a church that is it, no, even if, if it's Novus Ordo, that is not so abusive. Um, I, I, if it's that way in every single church, that's an amazing situation. Sometimes in very liberal churches with many abuses, there's a young seminarian. Uh, I have come across this. There's a young seminarian who will do things right. He's respectful of the priests over him, uh, but he does things right as much as he can, and reverently, and he uh, so forth. So um, if you can find that, you can say, well, he won't be a seminarian, he'll be a priest now. You can say... Um, would you uh, forgive me if I only want to come to your masses um just to stay out to stay away from abuses at other masses you see and you can find out his schedule when he's serving mass that's not a good thing to do in general but in the world we live in i think it's it's permissible if i knew of a good priest i would find out when he was serving mass and go to his masses only there's nothing we avoid certain masses where certain priests are so abusive we can't even step into the church so we can also go to masses where priests are holy and um, uh, respectful. So that's one thing I would say. Go to the masses, find out what priest may actually celebrate a reverent mass. If he's a brand new priest, hopefully he will. Um, Outside of that, dear one, um, I would pick the best of the worst. And, and do what you can, at least on Sundays. If the dispensation is lifted, the bishops are in error. We must go on Sunday, as long as there's a church open. Um, you know, the other thing you can do is look for a Byzantine church. Um, look for a an Eastern church of the Catholic right. There are many. So if there are Byzantine Catholic churches um, Maronite churches, the, the Catholic Church has 23 rites, R-I-T-E-S. Look them up and then get the the uh, yellow pages and look up all the churches near you. There might be one you can go to and receive communion if it's Catholic. If it's a Maronite rite, uh, you can go. The, the procedure, the postures are a little different from the Latin, but doesn't matter. Um, you can go and you can receive communion. So I would suggest that okay we have an email from Timothy and Timothy says dear mother Miriam my heart's desire has always been to get to heaven to be with our Lord there are moments in prayer when I think of heaven living forever where an uncontrollable fear overwhelms me thoughts swirl How can I live forever? What does that mean? I don't understand. I begin to shake terribly. Do you know what this is? I've only been able to pinpoint a fear, which I assume is from the evil one. But I'm also trying to discern why this keeps coming up in prayer. If it is an evil spirit, what is it in Christ Timothy? Oh, I'm so sorry, Timothy. I do not know what it is but it's certainly the spirit of fear never comes from god never comes from god and so i would simply go to father ripiger go to his spiritual warfare uh, go to youtube look up father ripiger r-i-p-p-e-r-g-e-r look up spiritual warfare um and look at his many, many videos and watch them. And he has a video on the different spirits. And he will speak to you about the spirit of fear and how you can get rid of that. So that's number one. I suggest that. Secondly, simply say, say get thee behind me, Satan. Spirit of fear, get out of me. I'm not interested. Just, Just talk to them like that. Pray to the Blessed Mother pray to jesus the the satan in any form in any spirit hates the blessed mother um i would also timothy suggest uh that you read books on heaven um from the saints that you read books on heaven because sometimes people uh don't like this is not you because it's not a matter of fear uh, cannot imagine living forever because we imagine living forever in our current state and we ima- we can't imagine really loving and adoring god forever because sometimes we can't handle more than an hour's adoration how are we going to handle eternity and we get that could be a fearful thought But you see, in heaven, there's nothing else we want to do and no place else we want to be. It'll be a totally different world. We'll have our new bodies. We'll be without the power and presence of sin. We'll be completely um, uh, transformed. So it won't be as you are now. But I would look up Father Rippiger and read much about heaven. And if that fear comes, just say, get thee behind me, Satan. I'm not interested. Let's see if that helps. And maybe you can talk to a priest about it as well, especially if you have an exorcist priest in your diocese.
5: Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful, full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSight in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at faithfulinsight.com and may God bless you.
0: from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern, the Station of the Cross brings you Mother Miriam Live. Mother Miriam is a Catholic nun on a mission to bring Jesus and a message of hope to a world that has lost its way.
1: Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam, and I am thrilled to welcome you to Mother Miriam Live. As always, you're going to be able to call, text, or email whatever your questions are. Through a partnership between the Station of the Cross and LifeSite News, you will be able to listen and watch Mother Miriam live on YouTube and Facebook at the Station of the Cross, including past episodes on podcast. God bless
0: you. Listen on your local Station of the Cross affiliate and our free iCatholic Radio mobile app. Or watch the Mother Miriam Live video stream on Facebook and YouTube by searching The Station of the Cross. That's Mother Miriam Live each weekday from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern on The Station of the Cross.
1: and I'm thrilled to be with you. We have a good 10 minutes, and the lines are wide open. You are absolutely welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Um, we do have a caller um, who's someone calling in anonymously from Massachusetts. Are you there, dear one? Yes, I am, Mother Miriam. Hello. Good morning. Hello, Mother Miriam. Hi. So good
6: to talk to you. Oh, Hi. I'm
1: glad you called in. Hi.
6: This <coughs> Go ahead. This is matter on my heart. Yes. My uh, my question is, how I be helping my mother financially? And here's a little bit of the background. I'm 52 years old and my mother is 74. We live in the same city. Um, I am married and I have a house with my husband. My mother lives in an apartment and her rent has recently gone up by $170 a month. Wow. I learned this last Friday. We went out for breakfast and... um My mother and I are very, very close. And she broke down crying about this rent increase. And I felt terrible. So I just kind of said what was on my heart without checking with my husband. And I said, would it help if I gave you $100 a month towards groceries? And she said, yes, that would help me very, very much. And I said, all right, so then then later on I spoke with her on the phone. I said, I don't feel right doing this without running it by my husband. And she says, oh, I know because then I know he's going to say no um, because he wants to hold on to all his money. So I spoke to my husband about it and he said, I think we need to take a larger, a larger look at your mother's financial picture and see, you know, the whole situation. So I spoke with my mother this morning and she said, how did it go when you spoke with your husband? And I said, it didn't go well, mom. He wants to you know, help you, but he wants to see your entire financial picture. And she said, he can go to hell. Um, you know, I want to see his financial picture. Goodbye. And we had plans to meet later on early evening for a walk. And I just received a text from her saying, I'm going to cancel. I have to cancel our walk. I just received an invitation to a friend's house. And right now I need support and kindness. Um, my husband does not know that I offered that my mother knows that he's the one that said no to giving her the money. So I'm, I'm saying my rosary right now. I'm calling you. Very soon I feel as though I need to go downstairs and talk to my husband and tell him, you know, that my mom knows about this. I just feel really in a bad spot.
1: You are in a bad do have spot. Any advice, Mother? <laughs> do you have any do. advice, Mother? I do. I do. First of all, you should not have said anything to her, as you realize later, without your husband. You should not have said to her, would it help if I give you $100 a month? Because it wouldn't be you giving her 100 It would be you and your husband together giving her 100 Okay, yeah. so that's number one. You're speaking in terms of I, and you're letting her know that you don't take your husband into these things. Um, and then when you came back to her, she said, how did it go? You said it didn't go well. Well, it did go well. It did go well. But you see it as a negative. So you prepared your mother for what was negative. It did go well. Yes, mom, my uh my husband is is absolutely um and I don't know if you say your husband that she doesn't call him by name. Uh yes he's Oh, he's I just a- want to remain anonymous. Oh no, I'm so sorry. I, I was not even thinking. Forgive me. Forgive me, forgive me. For no, that. no, no, no. Yeah, that's this is good. Um uh you should have said it actually it went well he's open to the idea um uh he he would like to see if we could help in other ways um you know by seeing if we might help you with uh, work out your finances in a better way so this is a less a strain on you you know regardless mm-hmm. of our help so i mean there were ways to present it and when you said it didn't go well, you set the whole tone, no matter what you said would have been negative. And it was disrespectful of your husband because you're speaking independently. You said, I will give you a 100. And then you said it didn't go well with him. You've made him the enemy and you're right. acting independently. You're not giving your mother the message of a unified marriage. Um, and so now your husband is the devil. And you are her daughter and you're preferring him over her. And it, it's a mess. And I, I think it's right. largely caused by your attitude, dear one. You've mm-hmm. got to respect your husband and not be partners with your mom. Not be friends oh, with you your just mom. You said
6: it. You said it.
1: hmm yep. yes. Yeah. Yes. Because that's going to create tons of problems. Tons yes. of problems. Um Great. at the moment what
6: would be your advice how do i proceed from here
1: yeah i would talk to your husband and say sweetheart i um i'm really i i i did this whole thing wrong i did this whole okay. thing wrong i am completely in error here and tell him the whole thing say uh, first I said to mom, if I give you $100 a month, I was absolutely wrong. I have no right to offer $100 a month or anything without it coming from the two of us. So that's number one. And then when she asked me how it went, I told her it went negatively. It didn't go well when, in fact, sweetheart, it did go well. You were not close to the idea. You were responsible. You were not closed. We don't just throw money out. Um, When um, even though it's our parents, you know, one hundred seventy dollars a month is huge. And either so, if someone cannot handle that, and you're going to be giving her $100 a month forever, maybe there should be a, a look for another living situation. I mean, there's a lot of different mm-hmm. solutions to this. The pastor of my evangelical church years ago, uh, the big, big church, and it had 50 pastors, huge, um, When when a family called because they needed money to pay rent, to pay the electricity, for food, for baby formula, for whatever it was... Um, Mm -hmm. The pastor would say to them, come meet me, set up an appointment. If the baby needed formula, they'd bring it out that day. That's not an issue. But um, he would set up a time to meet, and he'd say to the gentleman, bring your checkbook. Now, the church had Mm -hmm. money to give. We wanted to give and help families. But the pastor would say, bring your checkbook. And the man would say, my checkbook? What's that got to do with anything? And the pastor said, I want to see where your heart is. Mm Mm-hmm. That's it. So if they've been spending money on every huge TV and technical and, and going to vacations and eating all meals out and all of that, and they need help financially, no, the church will not help them. It will help them get on a budget. And if they don't have any money, it'll give them some. But just temporarily, the the family will have to comply to be on a certain budget, maybe sell certain things. That's mm-hmm. what's smart. You see, right now I'm not saying you shouldn't say "Let me see your checkbook, Mom." No, 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 no. But um, it 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 would be good. Number one, I mean, you, you just really uh, upset the whole situation from the day one, and it, it's going to be very difficult. I would say, first of all, go to your husband, not your mom. Go to your mm-hmm. husband. Apologize to him for going ahead of him going without him not disrespecting him and not because you intended it but because that's what it was and you realize that and say sweetheart you're there's nothing wrong with your uh, with our seeing mom's financial state but it was i approached it so wrong that i just almost didn't give that a chance talk to your husband apologize to him and see if you and your husband together can come to your mom Mm -hmm. and apologize to her for the way this was handled. Okay. And the two of you talk to your mom. The two of you talk to your mom. That's what I would suggest. Thank you, Mother Miriam. Okay. If your mom really needs financial help, she'll listen. She'll what? She should listen. If she really needs financial help, she'll probably listen. Okay? Thank you. Love you. God bless bless you. Bye-bye. And uh, there's our music, beloved. We'll speak with all of you tomorrow. God bless you.